It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, I know we missed a week, and that's on me. I've been a little busy. Scott's still been doing his thing, pumping out articles on AsianBoxing.info. But, Scott, I'm ready to get back into the thick of things here. And we did have a title fight with the small guys, Fukuhara against the GOAT. I call him the GOAT because uh, he has surpassed Mayweather's record. And he could just retire now and just say, you know, I'm I'm the record holder now. I'm the best, bitches. Come get me. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them two, Fukuhara and Wanhang fought back in 2017 in what I thought was a really good fight. And I was expecting another really good competitive class contest. But this one never really came alive. There was a head clash early on and... Fukuhara was cut, and then there was a head clash in round eight, and Wanhing was cut, and unfortunately the doctor stopped it after that one, with Wanhing taking a technical decision in what was a pretty forgettable contest. Yeah, that, that sometimes in boxing it happens, those head clashes, and it messes things up in terms of what you want to see uh, with it being a fluid fight, right, or a, a fight that is appealing to watch. Of course, with Fukuhara being a southpaw, you're going to get head clashes no matter what. It's not like it's um, anything intentional, but that Southpaw v. Orthodox matchup, heads are going to clash. I think it's like the fifth time uh, Fukuhara's been in a technical decision. It happened quite a lot in his career, but it's a disappointing way to make your, I think it was his um, one-hang's 11th defense and 53 straight wins. Anticlimactic, I think, sort of sums it up. Where does Fukuhara go from here? I think it's probably fair to say Fukuhara is still a top contender. Even with this loss, he's still a top guy. He's a former champion. He certainly remains in the mix, but he will have to wait for another shot. He's he's a handful when he's on form, and I think the champions won't be in a rush to get in the ring with him. Who's going to stop the GOAT? There, there are guys in the minimum weight division that I think can do it. The question is, is he going to get in the ring with them? But, uh, yeah, who's going who's gonna to break up that perfect record? It's hard to say, isn't it? The rumor at the moment is that he will be up against Norihito Tanaka in October in Japan, um, with Watanabe Jim paying a step-aside fee to Simpwear Conquer. Tanaka, Tanaka's an interesting, an interesting opponent if you just face one thing. He's a proper Japanese veteran. He took the Japanese title earlier this year. He's gone the distance with the guys like um, Akira Yaigashi, and he actually beat up Ryoichi Taguchi getting second round disqualification almost a decade ago. So he's an interesting, interesting uh, type of challenger. But I think Conquer would be a tougher test for Wan Hang. Yeah, and and for Wan Hang, I mean, you don't you want to see him unify? That's what we want to see instead of him just making defense after defense. There are other guys uh, like. Saludar with the uh, WBO belt. Creel has the IBF belt. And CP Freshmart has the WBA belt. Uh, maybe Freshmart's not a realistic fight, but those other two guys, I would love to see a unification. I want to see him leave Thailand. I don't really think the unifications draw a lot of money um, for the division, but get him out of Thailand, get him in Japan, get him in the Philippines or China or South Africa or wherever. Just see what he's like outside of his homeland. I understand that, um, yeah, he's probably pretty popular just staying there and, and it comfortable there. And if he continues winning, I don't, I don't know if he'll change that. 
Japanese card this past weekend, and they actually just showed it right on, on television, tape delay, with uh, yep. Junto Nakatani, the young up-and-coming star um, in the flyweight division. It's the second or third time, I think, um, G-plus have done a tape delay on their dynamic glove shows this year, which is really disappointing. They are the most consistent shows in Japan. They're once a month uh, televised. They're pretty much a staple of the sort of Japanese scene, so it's a real shame to see them being put on tape delay. But the card itself was really... It was interesting, as opposed to an exciting card. As you mentioned, Junto Nakatani was on it, and he stopped Philippe Luis Cuerdo from the Philippines. Originally, Nakatani was meant to face Wolf Nakana in a Japanese title defense, but Nakana had to pull out with a eye injury, I believe. So Cuerdo stepped in and got taken out with a body shot very, very early on. And also on the card, there was the young and up-and-coming star, uh, Kai Ishizawa. How did he do? He really impressed. Uh, to be fair, his opponent, um, Indonesian Silem Sirang, drew massive applause from the crowd for repeatedly getting up. Sirang was down around, I think, one, two, and three. Got up every time, got a round of applause, and then he eventually got seen off in round four. Ishizawa, he, he's certainly exciting. He's flawed. He's sort of a rugged minimal weight, I guess you could say. He's very powerful, very strong, technically pretty poor, but he is a handful for anyone. Was there anyone else on the Japanese card that impressed you? Uh, not too many people that impressed me. I thought Ryoto Toyoshima got a good win over Wu Min Won. Won had become a, started to gain a reputation of a bit of a Japanese killer, so it's a good win for Japan. Um, Won had Stop three Japanese opponents before this weekend, so Toyshima gets a bit of, bit of revenge for, for his countrymen. That's always nice. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping that uh, Naoya Inoue could get some revenge on Luis Neri soon. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. But I always like when the countrymen stick up for each other. It's a bit uh, of a rivalry, doesn't it? It's a bit exciting. It's a, a narrative that you can follow through on. It's good. Exactly. It makes fights more, more watchable, I guess. It, they're already... Pretty fun to watch. It's a fight, for goodness sakes. But uh, adding a storyline always helps. You can watch the Japanese card on AsianBoxing.info under the videos tab. Junto Nakatani, his fight was pretty short, so that would be a quick one if uh, you have like five minutes of, of time. Just sit down and watch his knockout. There was also a Chinese card uh, this past weekend on the same day, and we got to see the light heavyweight, Fan Long Mei. Go at it against Adam Dionese, and uh, he won in a unanimous decision. The win sets up Fan Long Meng to face Ata, Ata Baturbiev, but I don't know if he wants I, to do that. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think it'd be wise. He was dropped in round eight by Dienes. Um The unbeaten German who traveled over really looked too small, too slow, too clumsy for the most part, but when he when he caught Meng, Meng was in problems, and let's be completely honest, Baturbia is several levels above uh, Dienes, so it could be a very, very painful but short night for Meng. Not only is he several levels above um, the German, but he also has probably the biggest knockout punch in the light heavyweight division. So it's, it's the one guy you really don't want to go up against. The, the dude has pop. Especially now if you're going to go down a few times. I think this was like the third time Ming's been down as a professional and he's not 
really fits any punches. So, yeah, maybe maybe take a different route to the top. Yeah, or stay stay on the domestic scene. It's okay there. Maybe an OBPF title, something like that. Maybe. Um, it's strange to think that he's not actually fought in the Chinese mainland since he's since he fought Gassin Gasano. He's he's been fighting in Macau, Monaco, US. Interesting character, but not a world title threat, I'm afraid. Now, this weekend, I wouldn't say a lot of people have been anticipating this fight, but I do want to see how Gennady Golovkin looks getting back in the ring. Switching trainers, now he has Jonathan Banks by his side. Is he? Does he have one more chance to, to make a run at Canelo, or is it just over? That, those are the big questions that are going to be answered this weekend. Um, but also on this Golovkin card with DAZN, uh, we're going to get to see two great fighters in Madrimanov and uh, Akhmadov. There's also Bakhtir Ayabov, another uh, Kazakh on the card as well. So there's three unbeaten Asian prospects on the show. Yeah, it's always nice when you know you could get a show with Gennady Golovkin that a lot of people are going to watch and then bring some Asians on, fellow Asians. Let's pack it with the prospects. Madrimov out of the three is by far and away the most promising. He's possibly the possibly the fastest rising fighter on the planet right now. With only two fights, too. That's the thing about him. Obviously, great amateur Olympian. So you know he's he's ready. He's ready for the big time. He is. He showed that on his debut. He went ten rounds. Oh, he was scheduled to go ten rounds on his debut against Vladimir Hernandez. He scored a KO of the year against Frank Rojas. Okay. Now goes up against the tough Roberto Gonzalez, who is a proper true gatekeeper. Um, so Gonzalez is a. He's, he should go rounds. He's only been stopped, I think, twice, and one of those by Terrell Gosher and one by Jamal Charlo. He's been the distance with guys like Kanat Islam and. Udell Johnson, Erickson Lubin. So he's a good test, but Madrimov should, if he's as good as we think, score a stoppage. That's what's great about these new young fighters. And I wouldn't say extremely young, but these fighters who were great amateurs, maybe were Olympians, they are being fast-tracked immediately. And I think it's smart because, yes, they are a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to age. Like, Madrimov is what 24 so you know if he had started when he was 18 he he might already be a world titleist now but because of that amateur pedigree and getting that grooming and then eventually being ready uh, to be an Olympian it took some time so when you get in the pro game might as well just fast track yourself and and not take the usual steps um, that young fighters take. If you've been fighting the best as an amateur for two, three, four, five, six years, what is the point in stepping backwards so far? I don't get it in general. If you've proven yourself as a top Olympian, top world amateur, top national, there's no point in just wasting time like so many fighters seem to. And I understand that you need a couple of fights to get your feet wet because the pro game, amateur game, two completely different things. Not Not completely different because we see how amateurs translates into the pro game like if you're a good amateur there's you know there's a good shot that you can be a good pro i understand yes it does take uh some time to get used to the different things we even saw lomachenko struggle in his second fight because in the pro game you could play a little dirtier but 
I love that these guys right right out of the gate they're they're getting that experience against top guys. They're not just saying, "All right, I'm going to have 15 fights against tomato cans and then I'll get a a a, t- a tough fight in." No, they're going right at them. It makes it so much more interesting to follow them. You, again, we mentioned um, the story about following uh, Juan and Toyoshima and the narrative behind it. If we see a fighter facing tough competition from the off, their story is easier to buy into straight away. It doesn't take us four years to reach the middle of the story. It only takes us one or two, three, four, five fights to see them sort of reach a point where their story becomes really interesting. We've seen it particularly with Japanese fighters now, like Kose Tanaka um, and Noi Inoue, who are they're facing real tests and getting fan attention because of who they're fighting very early on. There's no point in hovering around if you're that good for having the starting chapters of your career. It takes so many years. Now, another Kaza who is up and coming, maybe not uh, on the same level as Medrimov, but is still solid at the super middleweight division, Ali Akhmedov. He's going to be going up against Marcus McDaniel, who I believe was a replacement. I believe so. I don't think he was listed on BoxRec as of sort of the start of this week, but it's a really interesting matchup. It's 14 August, it's 10 and 0. It's two unbeaten guys who are both going to see this as a fantastic chance to leave a mark on a big show, Glovkin card. Akhmedov is probably the second best Kazakh with that name behind Sadruddin Akhmedov. To be regarded as second best behind Sadruddin is no real shame. He is a really, really, really promising young boxer puncher who is taking a good step up at the right time. The Kazakhs are incredible right now. All their young talent, it's kind of hard to keep up with them. Because there's almost a young Kazakh star on every single card. That's that's how many great amateur fighters that they've produced. And that's how many, hopefully, great pros that they will be producing. Gennady Golovkin, he is the man that uh, really put Kazakhstan on the map. And uh, he's 37, so he's getting older. I do think he, he wants one more fight against Canelo. My personal opinion, he won the first one. And the second one, he just lost. It was it was a, a close loss. So it's not like he's miles behind Canelo. But is he too old now? I think age-wise, it's not really an issue. He, he's not... The Avaris fights aside, and perhaps the Uma fight, he's not had a hard career. But I think the change in trainers going to be more important. I think his style isn't suited to his age. I think if he can get someone who gets him back into his boxing, lets him actually fight his more natural style. Uh, Evo Sanchez really developed him to be an aggressive, TV-friendly guy. Took away a lot of the boxing skills that he had early on. I think if he can get back to that, if he can get back to his roots, I think he can I think he can definitely hang in there for another couple of years. We never really got into it, but what did you think of the whole Golovkin-Sanchez split? Like, I understand where Gennady was coming from, but I I am a big loyalty guy, and I kind of wish he had stayed with Sanchez. Although you're right, maybe stylistically it's better that he switched. I don't think fighters should be blaming the trainers necessarily for any losses, but I do think that it can help to shake things up, and I think that's certainly the case for Golovkin. Uh, Sanchez Sanchez certainly had a bad year, hasn't he? He's had a bad 12, 18 months, and there may be a little bit of negativity in camp and other issues there as well. Yeah, we don't know the full story. You know, I just wish there 
there could have been a better ending because they had such a good run together. But I think the Jonathan Banks switch was nice because, yes, he needs to get back to boxing. Gennady Golovkin was an Olympian. And a big silver medal winner. Silver medal winner. World Amish champer, world youth champ. And so it's not like he is one-dimensional as a fighter. And maybe with Sanchez, he was becoming more one-dimensional. I actually think in that second fight, he was trying to box Canelo, staying behind the jab. But just watching him on the pads with Banks, it seems that he's getting to throwing more combinations, going to the body a little bit more um, like he was early on in his career and not just, you know, seeking one big punch, but instead getting behind that jab and and trying to to put together combinations. Again, it's going to be interesting to see. What he does against Steve Rolls, to be quite honest, is not in the same class as a Gennady Golovkin, but it's still a fight, and it's still something that I want to see. Probably also after last week, probably shouldn't be writing off people who we um, see as big underdogs. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Go, Andy. Good job, Andy. Well done, man. <laughs> Thank you for stopping AJ, because AJ was... He was becoming, I don't know, I I think AJ, and this has nothing to do with a- Asian boxing, I think a- AJ is probably good for boxing when it comes to mainstream fans because people are following him. But he was getting a little big for his britches. That's all I have to say. Yeah, yeah it's nice to see someone shake something up like uh, Ruiz did, where that's a bit of what we usually talk about or not. It's really good to see someone shake up the spot like, uh, like we very rarely see. Yeah, now the heavyweight division is kind of fun. I like Ruiz in there. He may not have the look for it, but gosh, that's not that's not what boxing is about. It's not a bodybuilding competition. It doesn't matter how ripped you are. It matters if you can fight. And Ruiz was the guy who was in better shape uh, last week. So Golovkin against Rolls, big card coming up this weekend, and we'll see uh, what's next for Kazakh Thunder. Gennady Golovkin, Triple G. I love Triple G, and I will always stick behind him. A Filipino card on Sunday. Who's going to be on that, uh, Scott? That one's really, really um, good one. It's one of the, those ESPN 5 cards, so it's got like um, a live legal stream. Um, on the card will be uh, several really highly regarded prospects. The most talented of those, at least to me, is Dave Apollinario, who is a fantastic pure boxer puncher. Um, but he's not actually the most interesting prospect on the card. That's Carl Yamez Martin, who I would go as far as to say is probably the most TV-friendly fighter in Asia. He is just an aggressive attacking machine. He he may have his limitations, but he's going to be so much fun to watch over the coming years. The card also has uh, Rolando Savania, another top prospect, uh, Jason Mama, who fights Quan Thai Sitmarsing. And the return of Randy Petalcorin. So it's a stacked card, but if we're being honest, it's a lot of mismatches, unfortunately. So the the guys who are supposed to win are going to win, and by knockout or spectacular fashion, basically. Yeah, it's going to be one of those explosive but one-sided shows. Which is fun. Sometimes you need that. And if you're a fan, like, and you're, you're a fan of those specific fighters... I guess you don't mind seeing some crazy knockouts. All I know is that ESPN5, they always do a great job. And their broadcasters are always great. 
Um, and it's cool because it's free. You can go on YouTube and, and watch the card on Sunday. It's free. They tend to be fun friendly. Even if you're not a fan of the guys already, you will be a fan of Carl Yamas Martin if you see him. He's, he is going to be such a big star of the years to come in terms of how fans view him and how, uh, how big a fun he gets. They have it also appears like there's a few pullouts on this card because I believe Deva Polinario, Carl Yamas Martin, and I think there's one of the have had their opponents changed in the last week. So like it's been pullouts or visas or some sort of issue. It does appear that card's been decimated by changes. Saturday and Sunday, you're ready. You're ready to go. You're going to have a good amount of boxing to watch. Now it's time to get into our news portion and Scott, what do we have? A lot, a lot of random bits and pieces uh, all around Asian boxing in terms of news. Lots of random bits and bobs, but I think the standout story is that Kose Tanaka will return on August 24th to defend his flyweight title against Jonathan Bomba Gonzalez of Puerto Rico. That to me, and I know it's a mantra, that to me looks like one of the better flyweight bouts that wouldn't involve a unification. Tanaka is, well, let's be honest, he's probably <laughs> the second biggest name in Japanese boxing in terms of what he's achieved behind Noya Inoue. He's exciting. He comes to fight every time. Gonzalez was a top amateur standout. He's a talented southpaw. This should be fantastic, and I'm really hoping we can link up with CBC again and get a live legal stream of it. Yes. Oh, I forgot about CBC. Yeah. They're going to hook it up, hopefully. What's it going to take for him to get that kind of recognition that Inoue is now getting? I'm not sure he'll ever actually get it. I think Inoue is blessed with his power. That captures an audience. I think Tanaka instead has got to be, is going to, he's got to step up more weight classes to get this sort of attention. He's already a three weight champion. He's almost certainly going to fight for a super flyweight title. In the next 18 months, he's probably going to face Ayoka if Ayoka beats Aston Palicta. But he almost certainly needs to become a five-weight champion to get that sort of respect. He needs to be fighting at bantamweight where there's more attention, there's more international appeal. And it's going to take a few years for him to get there. But maybe he didn't have the power to make a mark there either. He tied Lomachenko's record. Or Lomachenko actually tied his, I believe. Uh, I'm oh, not no, sure no, no, other way around, first. other way around. Tanaka tied Lomachenko's, I guess, right? The three, quickest to three titles. Yeah, yeah, in 12 fights. Um, And yet, when you mention his name in these conversations, yet complete blank looks going, no one has matched Lomachenko. Yeah, this young Japanese kid did it at like the age of 23 or something. And <laughs> both, both have very small amount of fights. And when you compare guys... Obviously, Lomachenko had a huge amateur career, over 300 fights, compared to Tanaka's, what, probably less than 100 or around 100 amateur fights? Yeah, I think it was somewhere around the 80 mark or the 90 mark. It wasn't anywhere close to Lomachenko's. So, and I understand, lower weight class, that's probably a, a big issue. But what he has done in his 13 fights, my oh my, he has been spectacular. I mean, some of the best fights, his last two against Kimura and Taguchi, I mean, those were fight-of-the-year contenders, especially Kimura. Yeah, and what also needs to be remembered is that two of the guys he beat are current world champions in Vic Solidar and Angela Costa. He's not catching guys at the end of their careers like so many others. He's getting them in their prime or just before their prime, and I think that 
really elevates those wins. And it's not like he doesn't have power. I mean, he has a he has a big right. I guess he he's not he's not the knockout artist though that Inoue is. So that is understandable um, when it comes to who's going to appeal to to a more mainstream audience. Uh, yeah, so more consistent hitter than a banger, I'd suggest. Right, just continues to put the pressure on and an excellent boxer. Yamanaka, Shinsuke Yamanaka, he is uh, going to have a huge Japanese Bantamweight tournament. A seven-man tournament that begins in, oh boy, I think it's August. It's brilliant. It is fantastic. It is supposed to be an eight-man tournament. For some reason, only seven fighters have been involved. But when you look at the talent on offer, it's, it's amazing. You have three absolutely killer prospects in Sia Satsumi, Kazuki Nakajima, and Jim Minamida. They're all risking unbeaten records. They're all really risking their shot at getting a Japanese title fight in the next sort of two years. You then have the Japanese youth champion Tetsuya Araki involved, veteran Gaku Aikawa, another veteran in Kenichi Watanabe, and then the all-action Kenya Yamashita. It's a fantastic idea, and I'd like to see him repeated with other weight classes. It's a chance for fighters to fight for something very early in the career. I think there's a million yen cash prize up for grabs as well for the winner. And hopefully everyone gets paid, unlike the World <laughs> Boxing Super Series. Yeah, it's backed by Dangan, who are uh, well-known for paying fighters on time. It, it's a uh, great idea, though. I, boxing tournaments are the best, and as long as they work... We've seen what they've done. The World Boxing Super Series, when it gets through and when fights are made, it's been magical. And I, I expect this Bantamweight tournament to be excellent, especially with all this good talent. The first round of bouts is in July. Then the semifinals are in October with the final in January. So they've mapped out when they're going to be putting the shows on. It goes um, complete roadmap pretty much. And because it's Dangan, it's going to be available on Boxing Rares. So it's visibility. It's set in stone. The fighters are there. It's really, really exciting to see more tournaments in boxing. Whoever comes out on top of this tournament, going to be a huge star in Japan, I can tell you that. Yeah, you put a tournament with Minamide, Satsumi, and Nakajima in, and the winner of that is destined for massive, massive thing. Yeah, they're going to be the next big Japanese superstar. And on top of it, having Shinsuke Yamanaka, who is one of the greatest Japanese boxers, has you know, had one of the great runs at Bantamweight, it, it's just a cherry on top. Yeah, anything associated with Yamanaka still gets attention. I believe they've planned two other similar tournaments. I think one's at Super Bantamweight or Featherweight, and one hasn't been announced. But Heavyweight, that's set. the next one, Heavyweight. <laughs> it's a Super Featherweight. It's the KO Dynamite tournament, so that'll be some sort of affiliation with Takashi Uchiyama. Ooh. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, that's meant to be announced shortly. It was accidentally leaked on t-shirts that they were giving out at a recent show. How does that happen? They had the list of um, the upcoming Dangan cards on it. Oh, that's great. Forgot to actually not announce the card before they put it on the shirts. It's great to hear that all these tournaments are coming out. Um, Rookie of the Year tournaments are always fun, but now to have a bunch of different weight classes go at it, that's even better. And it's not just like a bunch of different weight classes, there are a bunch of different weight classes with top prospects involved. The rookie of the year and novices, but these guys are 
like Minamida had a hundred amateur fights. Satsumi had like ninety something. Nakajima had a record of like seventy two and twelve. These are top top amateur guys involved immediately. And it seems like they're moving things quickly. If they're gonna have the final in January, that means they're not gonna wait around, and there's not gonna be huge delays like uh, another tournament that we know, <clears throat> World Boxing Super Series. But it means that, uh, yeah, we're going to get the final relatively soon. And then hopefully we get another similar type of thing next year and the year onwards. And yeah, there's so much potential with tournaments. Um, more tournaments, please, boxing. Again, goes back to what we mentioned a lot earlier with narratives and gives us a story to follow and an interest from start to finish. It's Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. Any last bits of news, Scott? One of the really, really, really good fights been announced. Um, I know not everybody is a fan of female boxing, although if you saw the Pursuing versus Taylor fight the weekend, that probably should, should show how good female boxing can be. There will be a WBA female flyweight title bout between Naoka Fujioka and Tenkai Tsunami um, in early July. That is as good a fight as I believe you can probably get in female boxing right now. Fujioka is Japan's only five-weight world champion. Tsunami has been chasing her for a while, and now they're going to clash um, on July 12th at the upcoming A-Sign B-Show, and it should be something spectacular. It should be violent. It should be wonderful to watch. They're two top-tier fighters, and that all-Japan rivalry will also sort of amplify the action all right and when uh when is that going to be again july 12th um and it'll be uploaded into youtube by the promoter about three days later so there's no excuse not to watch it all right so there are some fights coming up for your enjoyment although this this month i would say a little bit of a lull then things should kick back up uh fairly soon it certainly feels like the calm between the storms may was hectic july set to be hectic June, time to catch your breath. We'll take it. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin, asianboxing.info, everything that you need, your news, your videos, this podcast, it's all on asianboxing.info. Until then, we'll talk to you guys next week.